A couple of insights would be that we are a very self-sufficient culture here in the West. And to be honest, we've kind of, in a way, made ourselves our own gods. Because if we're sick, we can go to a drugstore. If we need food, we go to the grocery store. If we, whatever we need, we just run out and get it rather than depend on the Lord for it. Whereas in the Amazon, many times if someone gets malaria, they die. So when Jesus is introduced and they realize that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he healed in the Bible. Let's pray for healing for this person. And then they watch the person get healed. There's a new dependency that comes on God. And I think we lack that here in the U.S. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on The Killing Fire, I have the privilege of having Jennifer Foster on the show. Thanks for joining, Jennifer. This is so awesome, Troy. Thank you so much. So uh, Jennifer is known by those that know her as Jungle Jen. Uh, (laughs) How did you get that nickname? Uh, Quite a few years ago, I was in the jungle of the Amazon in Brazil as a missionary, and after the first couple of years of having lived there, I came back stateside, and a radio program out of Winston-Salem picked up on the fact that I was back stateside, and they wanted to hear the stories. And so there was a producer who had invited me to come on a show, and they gave me my own show called Standout Stories with Jungle Jen. (laughs) <laughs> and the name stuck. <laughs> it became a brand all in of itself. Oh, gosh, that, that sounds so radio. My dad's in radio, so that's totally a radio-sounding show. <laughs> yes, yes, it was fun. I would go on, I would tell stories from the Amazon, and then I'd put a biblical application with it, and the people just loved it. So uh, we have a mutual friend, David Gwynn, who uh, I, yes. uh, my uh, family just came off the mission field, and, and I had heard that he went on this crazy trip to the Amazon and I wanted to talk to him and in talking with him he said you need to meet Jungle Jen so that's kind of how we're here today well a shout out to Dave Gwynn he was awesome on the trip he described that season of his life as the most miserable couple of weeks of his life followed by the most fruitful season of his life so I think that just goes to show God does work all things together for good Yeah, so, hey, so tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and and what you're involved in uh, in the Amazon. Sure thing. I am a missionary to unreached people groups in the jungle of the Amazon of Brazil. And what that means is I go in to people who have never even heard the name of Jesus. I remember one time I asked a guy if he knew who Jesus was, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll be back next Tuesday. 
<laughs> so kind of a shock that came with that response, but realizing many of the people in the jungle, of the Amazon especially, have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel message. And I have gotten over the last nine years to go in and share the love of Jesus Christ with them, introduce them to the love of the Father and the power of Holy Spirit. And it is a true honor and joy for me. Wow. So one of the uh, things that, like, having done missions uh, as well, and, and we were not in the jungle, I mean, I really came to appreciate truly how difficult it can be. Uh, but I also recognize that, honestly, when you do almost anything after months, you do get some level of, okay, I, I'm, I'm adapting. I would love to hear just, I mean, real quick, and we'll get into the, the larger story of, of you being in the Amazon, but just any stories that are just like, wow, that's, that's intense, you know, from the jungles. <laughs> Any stories that are intense uh, is pretty much everyday life in the Amazon, to be honest with you. Um, they say it is your will that will get you there. It's your calling that will keep you there. Yeah. And that is very true. I've known since I was eight years old that I wanted to be a missionary to unreached people groups, that I wanted to go and share the gospel message with people who had never even heard the name of God. And so when I was 28 years old, nine years ago, I got that opportunity to go and plant my first church in one of the Amazonian communities there. And I just saw the impact that it made in this group of people who were formerly known as unreached people. In other words, people who had never even heard the name of Jesus. And I watched their entire demeanor change. And from that, I got to use the people of the first church plant to go and plant other churches. And as you know, working with people can be messy, especially in another culture, but just also getting to see his grace every day is what does help you get through those intense moments. So, so let's talk about that, that beginning. So, so tell us, like, what happened? How old were you and what was the setting? Sure, I was very blessed to be raised in a Christian home whenever the doors of the church were open, my parents were there. And I remember sitting on the floor during a service. My class was down on the floor. I was sitting there crisscross applesauce, little pigtails coming out of my head. And I remember looking up at the stage, listening intently to two missionaries who were sharing their experience with an unreached tribe over in Africa. And I really don't know other than just say that it was God, what came over me, but before an altar call was ever given, before the end of the service had even come, it, I just jumped up, I ran to the front of the stage, threw up my hand, and I said, I'll go, I'll go, you can take me, I'll go tell those people about Jesus. Wow. And I, it was the calling. It was that moment. And from what I remember, the missionaries said I could go. So I took it to mean that literally. So I ran home that afternoon, and I told my mom to pack my bags. I was going to Africa. The missionaries said I could go. And now my mom was very wise. She didn't quench the spirit. Mom was very wise. She simply said, well, hi, 
honey, if you'll graduate from elementary school first, we'll talk about it. <laughs> and that, that satisfied my heart in the moment. I, I don't know why, but it just did. And I did go on. I graduated from elementary school, actually went on to college, got my master's, and was part of the way through my doctorate before the Lord finally opened that door, not for me to go to Africa, but for me to go to the jungle of the Amazon of Brazil. Mm. So, so let's talk about um, that perseverance, right? Because some, I mean, first off, yeah. to get a calling that young, it's not common, but it does happen. Right. I've heard many stories. And, and to have 20 years of perseverance of God, you yeah. said, you know, I, you know, you put this in my heart. Just, just, is there something you can kind of say lessons learned along the way about, you know, just what it took for those 20 years? I think before I say of lessons learned along the way, I, I want to say that I believe it's more common than not that people actually get their calling when they are a young child. And I believe that God puts those desires in our heart from a young age because the Bible says for us to have faith like a child. I mean, I truly believed in those moments at eight years old that I could just get on a plane and go to Africa. Now, of course, there was wisdom around me that didn't allow for that to happen. But I do believe that many of us, if we just go back to our childhood dreams, that's actually where our calling lies. That's actually what we need to be pursuing in our life. And yes, it was 20 years. It was very, at times, very hard. I didn't even want to go to college. I wanted to go straight from high school right onto the mission field, but the door closed. And so then I went to college and I decided that I would go and get a degree that would be logical for me to then go onto the mission field. And then I applied and the door closed. I went and got my master's, the door closed. I went and pursued more education. And it, I think if anything, it's just holding on to the word that you received. Because I now look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. And I see all along the way, each closed door was not that he didn't want me to go onto the field. He just didn't want me to go onto the field quite yet. He had things that he was preparing in me. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. The, um, so, so tell us a little bit about kind of where, what it's like uh, for you there. Like what, what's, what would be, you know, a, a day in the life, you know, <laughs> down in, in the jungle of the Amazons? <laughs> Yes, a day in the life of Jungle Jen in the Amazon. It is, um, it's fun, uh, unless you're Dave Gwynn, then it's not so fun. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> it's not for everybody. <laughs> but I, I thrive off of it. The weather's between 85 and 115 degrees year-round. We sit almost right on the equator. It's a rainforest, and we say that rainy season, it rains twice a day. Dry season, it rains once a day. We are cooking and killing our own, or killing and cooking our own food. We're fishing. Um, you know, we're building fires to make that food. You bathe in the river. You wash your clothes in the river. You wash your dishes in the river. And I really tried to assimilate as much as possible into the life of the people that are there. So I've tried to make myself look as much like them as possible. Paul hmm. says to become all things to all men, so by all possible means you might be able to save some. And, of course, that's within the confines of the law of the Lord. But I truly believe in just becoming like them. I sleep in a hammock like they sleep in. I bathe in the river like they bathe in. I've 
even dined on turtle head because that was the delicacy that I was served. Mm. And there's a grace for it in those moments when it comes, but it is, um, it's truly a calling of, of the heart, one that you know your heart is connected to the heart of the Father. And he wants to do whatever he can do to reach those people. The, uh, it reminds me of Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson Taylor yes. was, was known for, for dressing in Chinese clothes and was criticized yes. for it. Um, yes. But you know what? He was a mighty missionary man of God that did mighty things. And so his critics uh-huh. you know, didn't survive and his fruit did. <laughs> yes, and if you if you watch Amazon Arising, Joy in the Jungle, and the last Amazonian community where I planted a church, you'll see that they're still running around in feathers and grass skirts, and that's what I do. I put my Western clothing aside and put on what those women are wearing and, and dress like they dress in order to reach them right where they're at. Yeah, and just... it, it really works well. It does. Because the people then can see that you're living as much like them as possible, but something's different about you. And that then gives you the open door to share the gospel message. Yeah, so you mentioned Amazon Arising. Uh, can you just uh, share what that is? Yeah, Amazon Arising, Joy in the Jungle, is a feature-length film that came out in 2017. There was a filmmaker, Jordan Bigler, out of Cleveland, Ohio, who got the vision to come to the Amazon and to film. And he just wanted to film what I was doing, go to a variety of Amazonian communities, see the church plants. We've dug a well to see some of the worship centers that we've built. And he just followed me around for two weeks with a camera and filmed all of it. And then came back to the States and created Amazon Arising, Joy in the Jungle. He and Holy Spirit did a great job. The film won seven awards last year at film festivals. Wow. And I'll be honest, I think it won the awards, not because it was a high-budget film, because it definitely wasn't, but because it's real. We show the good, the bad, and the ugly of mission. We show, show the joy um, of, of planting a church and having services and seeing people worship Jesus, but then we also show the fall of a pastor and what that looks like, but how you can truly maintain joy through all of it. Yeah. He did a great job of, of capturing that. And that's uh, at, is that at uh, AmazonRising.com? Is that right? You can see the film at AmazonRising.com, or we also have it on Amazon.com. We yeah. really appreciate them picking up our name like that so that it can be easy to find. So, Jennifer, were you always, um, you know, one to do, like, these outrageous things? I mean, are you characterized by being someone that would go straight into the jungles of, of the Amazon? I mean, is it just this is very natural for you? Was it a stretch for you? Uh, Talk about that. I was, I was never really an extreme sports person growing up. My brother was. He was the one going down double black diamonds, snow skiing, and jumping out of airplanes. I was never that one. Um, I was very athletic growing up, and camping was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't live for it by any means. It was truly the calling that got me there, but I do think that one thing people think was quite extreme about my life is I was a firefighter for two and a half years before going to the Amazon. And though that just seems so bizarre to have this young, single, white, female, small-framed lady as a firefighter, it was truly the open door of God to teach me how to maintain control of my mind 
even when everything around me was in chaos. Wow. Um, that's what a fire is. I mean, you're, you're the first in and the last out, they say, when it comes to firefighting, and it was. I would run into the burning buildings with other people on my hose, other people on the line. We would fight the fires, and you have to really maintain strong self-control and mental control in those situations. And little did I know how much I would need that in the jungle of the Amazon. Not that we're fighting fires in the physical realm in the Amazon, but definitely in the spiritual realm. Where I go, Satan has never had to fight for those locations before. And so all of a sudden, light is showing up where there has always been darkness. And literally, all hell breaks loose. And so in those situations of, you know, demons raging, people trying to figure it out, and the enemy coming against you, number one, you've got to keep a solid, set mind on the Lord. And number two, you really have to focus in on what you're there for and that there are more for you than against you. Uh, that is it's, it's something that people often misunderstand. They think that there's more demons around, or they think that the enemy's more against them than God is for them. But that's not the case. That's a lie from the enemy. It's very true that there are more angels around us than demons. God is more for us than the enemy is against us. And so having that mindset and having that background has really helped me through the last nine years. Were you... Um and this is going to sound a little odd to ask you this this way, but were you as dangerous when you first arrived as you are now? No, definitely not. Because I had <laughs> um, ignorance is bliss when you when you first arrive somewhere like that. I had a strong calling, and I was excited for that calling. And a lot of times, adrenaline can really push you through some of that. Um, but now I would say that, you know, in the spiritual realm, though I've not yet arrived at all, still growing every day, because of what I've learned, the miracles I've seen, and the ways that I've watched God's hand move in the jungle, I'm much more dangerous to the enemy now than I ever was. Mm. So uh, in some of the things that you have um, uh, shared as we were kind of getting ready for this show was, it sounds like mm -hmm. you have uh, built a uh, friendship with Heidi Baker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heidi's awesome. I love her and Roland Baker. Yeah, dear friends. So what would you say is a commonality between, because, um, you know, you know, Roland is a fourth generation missionary, I believe. And, you know, and Heidi yeah. is, is kind of a, a, an affluent California girl that God totally got a hold of. And, and so just what would you say are elements that, that really mark people that have the kind of callings that you, you and Heidi have? There are a couple main things. Um, number one, the one thing that I share most in common with Roland and have really gleaned from him over the years is just joy, absolute joy. And our verse for that is Romans chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction faithful in prayer. And I think just realizing that joy is a choice. It's a gift, but it's also a choice. And maintaining joy through, as you know, being on the mission field is difficult, but maintaining joy is key. Something else that we really have in common is 
intimacy with the Father, intimacy with Holy Spirit, and intimacy with Jesus. And just realizing that you can't pour for an empty cup from an empty cup. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. You have to fill up before you can pour out, otherwise you burn out. And just filling up every day, spending ample time with the Father, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, knowing them, knowing their voice, obeying the open doors that they ask you to walk through, even if it's crazy, which is really Heidi's life, uh, is, is <laughs> key. And I, I know one of Heidi's main phrases is stop for the one. And just realizing that whoever is in front of you in that moment is who the Lord has placed in front of you for you to minister to and to love on. And if they're already a believer, to encourage them in the Lord. If they're not yet a believer, plant a seed or get them one step closer or bring them to salvation in the Lord. And so I've just watched Heidi model that so well. You can be in a crowded room of a ton of people. And yet, when you're talking with Heidi, it's like you're the only one that she sees in that room. She is so good and has created such a discipline of stopping for the one that it is just, it touches your heart unlike anything else. So, coming from the Amazon to the West or to the United States or in the West and back, how, um, I mean, culture shock is real. Uh, culture for sure. shock is real. <laughs> it, that is that is not a joke like that. Once you get accustomed and used to something, and then you get jolted yeah. into something com- drastically different, it yeah. can it's it's not easy to adapt. It's um, unless you do it all the time, I guess. But <laughs> right, uh, the the culture shock was very real, especially when it comes to language. Um, I just so desperately wanted to share with everyone everything I had to say and everything that the Lord had to say with them. But um, at the beginning, it took a lot of time to learn not only the Portuguese language, but then how to use that language in the jungle. And though all these Amazonian communities, they all speak their own languages plus the Portuguese language. So it created this mixture. So culture shock was very real. Um, But like I said, it's your calling that will keep you there. And I was so motivated by the calling, I was willing to go through that culture shock. But if I could just for a moment also speak to the missionaries and to those praying for missionaries, that reverse culture shock is just as real. Yeah. And coming back here to the United States after having lived in the jungle for almost 18 months and being on the mission field for two years, I hit a massive brick wall of depression. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. I had read some books and some articles about reverse culture shock, but I had never heard anybody, I'd never heard anybody speak about reverse culture shock personally. So I didn't know the kind of impact that would have. I, have on me. I remember coming back, I didn't even know what an app was. I had no idea what those little icons on the phones were. I didn't understand that. Um, Noises and and just the abundance here in the United States landed me right in counseling. And I just want to encourage any missionaries that are out there or those praying for missionaries, understand that that's a very real thing. And intercessors, pray for those missionaries coming back home from the field because it is your prayers that will help get them through that reverse culture shock. Yeah, and I, and, and I would say that I, I experienced that coming back, and we were, weren't gone nearly as long, um, yeah. where it was just kind of like 
you know, life was simple on the field, honestly. Yeah. Right. Um, and and coming back to the complexities and the and all the things that you have to to think about was hard and I have a, a dear friend Eddie Evans who's been a, a missionary and pastor in Ethiopia for gosh 14 years or 11 to 14 and I've, I've seen him come back in so many different times in different seasons it'd be awesome and it'd be really hard and it just everything yeah. and um, so that's that's yeah uh, that's that's a good word yeah I've come home now to the United States um, about two to three times a year I'll be back here in the US for speaking engagements or to encourage others or whatever it might be. And I, I will tell you, it has gotten easier because I have what I call more tools in my tool belt to handle the reverse culture shock. And so I think that's a, a key for missionaries coming back is meet with other missionaries who have already gone through reverse culture shock and ask them, what are some ways that have helped you? What are some things that you do that help you lessen the amount of reverse culture shock you experience? Yeah. You know, one thing I'd be very curious of is uh, when you, I know it happened for us, when we came back, our perceptions of what used to be normal now were not normal. Um, right. Uh, they, you know, it was from uh, portion sizes that we would eat to spaces we live in to whatever. Yeah. And I'm just curious from a standpoint of, um, is there anything that you feel like in coming back, the Lord has kind of helped you uh, show you, look, this is something that the West needs. This is something that they mm. need to see and understand. Um, you know, because uh, Heidi talks a little bit about that, um, you know, with her stories about healing blind people and the Lord saying she was blind and the whole story about yeah. her being kind of called back into the West from instead of just staying, you know, in, in uh, remote places. Uh, just curious yeah. if you have anything insight like that. A couple of insights would be that we are a very self-sufficient culture here in the West. And to be honest, we've kind of in a way made ourselves our own gods. Because if we're sick, we can go to a drugstore. If we need food, we go to the grocery store. If we, Whatever we need, we just run out and get it rather than depend on the Lord for it. Whereas in the Amazon, many times if someone gets malaria, they die. So when Jesus is introduced and they realize that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he healed in the Bible, let's pray for healing for this person, and then they watch the person get healed, there's a new dependency that comes on God. And I think we lack that here in the U.S. Um, something else that I think we lack is, is the sense of unity and how important community is. We need to surround ourselves with other Christians because we are the body of Christ. And in the Amazon, like I said before, it's very dark. And so the lights really have to stick together. Otherwise, we won't make it. Yeah. So realizing that the body of Christ, even though people are very different from each other with different personalities and different mindsets, we have to have each other. We were created to be in community. And that's easy to do in an Amazonian community because they're already functioning as a community anyway. But if we're going to be the body of Christ here in the U.S., we've got to unify. Yeah. 
that's that's uh, that's good insight. You know, we talked about uh, a little bit of some topics that you're really passionate about, and I want to talk. Uh, I want to ask you about hearing the voice of God, and how important. Oh, that's I love been. that topic. <laughs> yeah, how 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 that's you know how important that's been in in sort of you navigating through what the Lord is leading you and and could be leading these listeners to do. Yeah, I have a funny story about it. I um, I had a pet monkey. His name was Nico when I was in the Amazon the first couple of the couple of years, and Nico went everywhere with me. He did everything with me. But when I would go into a house to minister, to have one-on-ones or house church services or anything, Nico had to stay outside in the tree. So I would take Nico, I would throw him up in the tree, I would say, "I'll be back," and then I would go in, I would minister, and then I would come out with a banana. I would call for him. I'd say, Nico, Nico. He would reply. <laughs> and then he would see me jump out of the tree and come and eat the banana. He would just walk on my leg, crawl on my arm, and eat the banana. It was a system that we had. And we did this for months and months and months. And then one day I came out and I said, Nico, Nico. But Nico didn't come. So I ran over to another area and I called him again. He still didn't come. So I ran to some children and I said, hey, guys, have, have you seen Nico? Where's Nico? What happened? And they took me over to where Nico was. And he, he saw me, jumped out of the tree, ran up my leg, sat on my arm, and ate the banana. And I said, Nico, why didn't you come to me? And then I realized I had had laryngitis. And while having that laryngitis, my voice didn't sound like it used to. So Nico didn't reply. Ah. Before where it had sounded like, Nico, Nico, now it sounded like, and it was a voice he didn't recognize, so he didn't respond. And in those moments, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that is the difference of hearing the voice of God and hearing the voice of the enemy. You should be so accustomed to the voice of God that when the voice of the enemy comes and it speaks to you, you won't reply. So that really had a, a, an impact on me wanting to know the voice of God. And so I began to seek the scriptures. And in John, I'm sure you're familiar with it. I'll just read it here for you. And John, it talks about um, that we, the sheep know the voice and they follow that voice because we can trust that voice. And, and yet... Many times we make prayer a one-way conversation. We make prayer out to be, okay, I'll go, I'll sit down, I'll tell God everything I need and praise him for a couple of things, thank him for the food, and then I'm out the door. But what we're lacking is knowing his voice and hearing him speak back to us. Troy, this wouldn't be a very good podcast if all I did was talk the whole time or all you did was talk the whole time. Right. We want it to be a two-way conversation, and that's exactly how our Heavenly Father wants it to be. So I got connected with a man by the name of Mark Verkler, and Mark Verkler has a book out called Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice, and it just really highlighted for me how simple it is for us as sheep to listen to his voice, know his voice, and follow him. And he does an exercise, a journaling exercise of listening to the voice of God, which are just spontaneous thoughts that we have. And, And 
really thoughts can only come from one of three places. The enemy, of course. We know what those sound like. You're stupid. You're no good. You'll never do that. You're not good enough for that. Logic, two plus two equals four. That's just something we've learned. That doesn't take a, a massive prayer meeting to figure out what two plus two is. But then the other place that thoughts come from are God. And Genesis, it says that we've been created in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says that we've been created in his image. Therefore, the very DNA of God is inside of us. And so when we have thoughts, we can't have thoughts on our own. They have to be from one of those three places because we've been created in his image. And so we can listen to what we're thinking, what we're hearing in our heart, even into our dreams, and hear him through that. And just as we don't have to ask when our mama calls us, I'm sorry, who is this? Who is this calling? We don't have to do that because we know our mama's voice. We've been listening to it. So then when he does speak, which is often, we can know that it's his voice speaking to us. So I'm going to ask you a question because um, sure. you know, I've tried to be a, uh, someone that has heard, you know, listened to the voice of God. And one of the experiences that I've had is in listening to the voice of God when I want something really bad. I either want yeah. to have uh, like a one conversation. I get very myopic about that. Like, I just want to talk about this. I just want to hear about this from you, God. And, um, or I really want this and I need to know if it's going to happen or not. And, Uh and I, um, have found great difficulty, uh, hearing the voice of God in both of those contexts, either the first one being, he tends to not want to, sometimes he wants, if I want, if I only want to have one conversation and it's not the conversation he wants to have, to have. <laughs> he, there's no there's no communication the the second uh, one yeah. is you know just so um fraught with emotion and desire and all this other stuff that mm-hmm. the various yeah. things that i hear i i question the source is it is it god is it me is it my desires is it is satan any do you have any uh can you help me <laughs> Sure, I could have, you're asking for a friend, right? Yeah, I'm asking for a friend. Yes, I completely understand what you're saying. And again, going back to Mark Verkler's teaching, is what I'll do is I've learned to ask, first of all, to learn to hear the voice of God, ask simple questions. Get out a pen and paper and write down something like, Jesus, how much do you love me? And then just quiet your mind. Tune into his voice. Tune into who he is. Maybe start saying some attributes of God. He's loving. He's kind. He's generous. He's my Savior. Listen, and then whatever comes to your mind, just write it down. That will help you to begin to hear his voice. Now, when it comes to more complicated things, such as should I take this job, do I buy that car, you can do the same thing. Because you've practiced hearing his voice with simple questions, when bigger questions come, you can do the exact same thing, and you can know if it's his voice or the voice of the enemy. Now, I also have a way to test it. A great way to test it is after you've written down what you've heard him say or you think it's him saying, Test it by these two things. Number one, does it line up with Scripture? If it lines up with Scripture, put a big check mark next to it. And then go on to the second question, which is, does it line up with the character of what a good, loving father would say? 
And if you've got a check mark for that as well, that yes, it does line up with a character of what a good, loving father would say, walk in it. Go for it. Have the faith like a child. And what I've learned over the last nine years is that he is big enough that if it's not him, he will close the door. So I've learned not to hate closed doors. I'm a very excitable person. I have a lot of faith. I just run full steam ahead. I get a lot of doors shut in my face. But sometimes it's not because he's saying no. Sometimes it's just because he's saying not yet. He might have still said, yes, take that. Yes, go to that Amazonian community. Yes, do that. But the timing just wasn't quite yet. But if we know his voice, if we're truly asking him, and of course, if you're asking the question to him, who's going to answer? Of course he will. If you're asking me a question, I wouldn't expect a stranger over here next to me to answer the question. No way. He's going to answer. And just like if your child was to come up to you and ask you a question, you're going to answer. So you can trust that. And then do the twofold test. And also, it's always a good idea to take the question and the reply to some trusted Christian friends. That's where we go back to the body of Christ again. And just say, hey, this is what I hear God said to me. What do you think about this? And see what they say as well. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Well, look, it's been uh, really great talking with you, Jungle Jen. How would uh, our listeners get in touch with you or find out what you're doing? Awesome. You can go to the Jungle Gen Facebook page. Just search for Jungle Gen on Facebook, and I've got a face paint on from one of the Amazonian communities, feathers on my head. Believe me, you'll, you'll be able to pick out which one it is. And then the other way is to go to standoutministries.com. Again, that's standoutministries.com. You can check out our web page, see what we're doing, see where we're going, and even there's an application there if you'd like to come to the Amazon with me sometime. I'd love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for making time for this show. And, uh, yeah, and thanks, Troy. When are, when are you heading back? When are you going to be back in the jungle? Really exciting news. We are getting ready to build a missionary training center in the middle of the jungle of the Amazon in July. Wow. So I'll head back towards the end of, the, end of July, and we're going to sign out the final paperwork and break ground for that. So be in prayer for that for us. That's exciting. All right, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Firestarters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. And as always,